talked about that some last week, but um, in the ways that we do that um, is that what we want to see in our lives is we want to see an, an increasing love for God. And, and correspondingly, what we're going to talk about this morning is we want to see an increase of love for people in our lives. And um, that's what we're, we, I want to talk about today is, is a great love for people. And you guys all know what happened in Matthew chapter 22. I'm just going to read this. We don't have it on the overhead this morning, but it's very simple and you all know it. Um, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, Jesus got to, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he concluded with saying this just really profound thing. That all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We all know that. That's all familiar to us all, and, and we understand it, um, I think, what it means. But, but honestly, um, you know, none of us could stand up and say, I, you know, yesterday I just I came to the point, I finally reached that point in my Christian life where spiritually now I am fully God's. I'm just fully loving him. My whole heart is his. N- none of us can really say that. I mean, we, we will, in this life, we'll always deal with... Um, um, with with conflicted hearts, with hearts that that yes, that want God on the spiritual side, but on the on the side of of our flesh, we're always going to struggle with idols in this life. We're always going to want other things besides God, and we're always going to going to want to find meaning in someone we can touch, something some approval we can find from someone else, or or validation we can have, or or some feeling of security and wealth, or or something like that. We're always going to have that struggle in this life. The same's true with people. We're never going to get to the point that we can love people like Jesus did, but that doesn't mean that we don't want it to be more true in our lives. It doesn't, that means that, that we want to continue to grow in greater love for other people, just like we want to grow in greater love for God. Amen? Amen. Lord, may it be so in our lives. Amen. Um, we, we want it to be true in our lives, and this is one of the foundations of the church. It, it's one of the most important things. And in, in fact, John would talk about this in, in one of his letters. He would, say, he, say, he would say, people on the outside will know you by the love that you have for each other. In, in other words, what he's saying here is that the Christian community has the distinctive kind of love that's not seen anywhere else. The level of devotion of Christian brother and sister toward each other is unlike any other place on the planet. There's nothing else like it. Um, and John said that people will know you by the way that you love one, one another. And Jesus said something very similar, that, that, that people would know us by the way that we love each other and that God is glorified in that. What I wanted to do today, or, or what I hope to do today, is, is kind of show you um, how these are combined. And that is, is that we talked last week about how very important it is for us to recognize that the, the, um, the key or, or the goal for all of us is to, in our lives, to better reflect the image of God in our lives. And we talked about that, uh, about that in, a, in a very large terms, and man, those are hard lessons, I, I know, because they're all kind of a 10,000-foot view. But we talked about it a little bit in, in terms of we want to grow, like, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul's talking about, uh, about Moses and, and the, the glory that faded in his face. But he says, but members of the new covenant, you and I, uh, we show God's glory with ever-increasing measure. Um, from one glory to another is, is what it says uh, there literally, that we're increasing in, in glory and the glory that we reveal in Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to use a little bit di- different terminology just so I can catch you off guard a little bit this morning and make you think about it. Uh, but, um, but I wanted to kind of continue that theme and, and just to talk about it in terms of the relationships within the church, relationships from believer to believer. How do we glorify God? 
How is it that we glorify God in the lives of, uh, in the relationships that we have with other believers? And that's going to be my focus this morning with you. Um, um, I tell you, um, I, you guys have been putting me through uh, some seminary classes and uh, about to finish up, actually, and uh, um, about to finish up my uh, biblical counseling course. It's been incredibly rich. I really appreciate all you guys' support in that. And, uh, uh, and, um, one of the books that I read um, in this was, uh, was by Dr. Paul Tripp. He writes a book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. And, and what I'm, one of the things that I, I really like to do is when I learn something, I like to teach about it. And, and uh, one of the reasons is, is it, it makes me remember it better. It makes me really learn it. So I want to pass on some of the things that I, that I learned in Dr. Tripp's book as well as some, some other things that, of course, I've been pondering otherwise. But um, anyway, I want to pass this on to you because it's so important in the life of the church. But um, anyway, let's go ahead and let's get started. Um, part of, the, part of, the, um, part of the, the, the theme of the book uh, in, in Dr. Tripp's book is that what he talks about, it, he says, is that we're not only, we kind of think of ourselves as being conduits of God's love for each other, but he says that's not a good picture. He says the picture should be that we're actually instruments that God uses, like in, in, the instruments literally in his hands, being used in the lives of other believers in, in relationship that really helps bring about some, some sanctification, some encouragement in their, in their growth, some encouragement in their spiritual growth. And, and really, it's just a rich book, and, and, uh, but really thick. It's, uh, it was a long one and difficult to get through. But anyway, if anyone would like to borrow it, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Really good book. Um, as we're talking about that, though, this morning, I want you to turn, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, if you don't have your Bibles, they'll be splashed on the screen behind me. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is going to be talking about um, us and our relationships and just beautifully talks about how um, our relationships with people uh, is affected by our relationship with God and what he's done for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. With, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, and we're going to read all the way through the end of that chapter and into verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we encourage you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
Amen. Beautiful words. I tell you, and so thick, and, and honestly, I can't do justice to these verses this morning. There's just not enough time, but you, you guys saw in here so many of the themes of the New Testament that, that, that's portrayed is that, that Jesus was the perfect one, and he was our substitute, and he paid the price for our sins so that we could be separated from our sins, and he became uh, for us, he became our righteousness as, uh, as, he, uh, as he imputed his righteousness on us. Um, anyway, just so many incredible, perfect things. And talk about the, well, anyway, okay, we'll get to that another time. There's just not enough time to do it all. Okay, the first thing is that I want to point out to you is actually in verse 17, and then we're going to back up a little bit, but the first thing I'd like to point out to you is in verse 17. This is just kind of a climax to me when I read this. This is just the climax of this whole, whole passage where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Uh, there is not enough word in here for me to be able to describe to you what this says. He's talking about what is in you now that you're in Jesus Christ is distinctly different than what was there before. When you were in Jesus Christ, or before you were in Jesus Christ, you were an enemy of God. You were a, the other parts of the scripture says that you were a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness, Paul would write, especially as we read through in Romans. But uh, but, but what we were before and what we were, are now, I, I can't make enough distinction before, for you, but it, literally what it means is what it says here in the, in the English, you are something brand new that didn't exist before when you come into faith in Jesus Christ. You are new. So, so the very first thing I want to point out to you is that um, Christ's love changes you as a person. It changes you as in your character. It changes you. And really the trajectory of all of the rest of your life is changed at that moment that you and I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He changes you um, as a person. He changes you and your your, uh, your future is forever changed. You are, you are no longer condemned. You are no longer under God's wrath, but you are under his loving devotion from that time forward. Amen? Everyone find themselves in this place. I, I hope so this morning. You find yourself in this place that you are something new this morning. Uh, but that is only the tip of the iceberg. You know, talking about how we're new, now I want to talk about how, how Christ's love changes everything else for us, in it, but it starts with us being a new creation. Look with me back again in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and, and uh, therefore all died. And he died so that, uh, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So listen in verse 16. So now we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ, Christ that way, we no longer do. The second thing I'd like to point out to you is this, is that Christ's love changes your view of people. Let me back up. Whenever you came to Christ, probably the thing that drove you to Jesus Christ is that you came upon some realization of the depth of your sin. And I know you would say, like I do, I had no idea how, deep, how bad my sin was back 20 years ago when I was saved, and I scarcely have a better idea today, but I got a little better idea today, and I, I'm all the time discovering how far and how deep the depth of my sin goes. Yes? Um, it's like peeling back layers of an onion. I just keep finding more and more and more. They're just more sin, and it's even more, um, more hideous than I originally thought, right? When you come to Christ, sometimes you come and you, you think you've got a bunch of bad behaviors, right? And, and Lord, I need you to fix me because I, I have all these bad behaviors. Well, as you walk with Christ for a while, you begin to realize some of the Christ's teachings is that the reason you speak the way you do is because of your heart. 
right? The reason filth comes out of your mouth is because there's filth in your heart. And the reason that you're, you're, the actions are the way that they are be, is because that comes from inside you. And the thoughts that you think and the words that you say is all a revelation of what's inside you. And you begin to realize my behavior is not the problem. It's just the symptom. My problem is much, much deeper than this. But Jesus Christ, as you were in that state, loved you. And one of the great mysteries of the gospel is that despite where you were, without asking you to clean yourself up at all, without asking you for, to do anything to come any closer to God at that moment, at that time when you were at your worst, Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. Amen? As you were. All right? At, just as you were. This is important and, and incredibly important. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week as we talk about, I'm going to talk about people outside the church and how we relate to them. But I want to talk to you about how we relate to people inside the church. Okay. Let me ask you just really quickly. Jesus accepted you as you were, dirt and all, right? Needing a bath, certainly, but, but he, he accepted you as you were, and he died for you as you were, right? Now, the, the next question is, okay, then what do I do with that? How am I supposed to deal with other people? One of the, there's a, a place in one of the scriptures, and forgive me, I forgot to look it up, but one of the places in the scriptures says that Paul, one of Paul's writings, says that we're supposed to accept each other just as Christ accepted us. This is difficult for us. You know, there's always that part of us, there's always a, a part of us that's a little bit idolatrous and a little bit self-righteous who views ourselves as good, like God, and views other people who have problems that we don't particularly like to be bad, unlike God, Right? But the truth is what? We were, we're all bad. We, we, were, we were all bad. We, you know, there's none of us. You know, it's, we're under self-delusion when we look at ourselves and we, we say to ourselves that we're good like God and other people have problems, right? That's a dangerous delusion that we have in our, in our sinful nature. But no doubt we all have it to some degree, right? We're all sick with this illness, with this brokenness that we have a little bit. But, but here's the impact of it is that I look at you and you're having some sort of problem that I don't particularly like. And so I can begin to what? I can begin to look down on you, right? Maybe you've got a problem with lust and I don't really struggle with lust so much. Maybe you've got a, a problem where you're wanting more, more power, more position, and you're just hungry for it at work. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, if someone gets in your way, you, you just push them out of your way and you're just, you're just hungry for that. And maybe for me, that's not a struggle. And so I begin to look at you and I, I begin to look at you as a second class person because I don't struggle with that. Listen, we all have this to some degree where we begin to view people very differently. But one of the things that the love of Christ does is he reminds us, no, you're just like them. It, it, it's one of the things that we read about in the, you know, as, you're, as we read through about the Pharisees in the Gospels, you read through about the Pharisees, and it's really easy for us to pick up on the enemies of Christ, and, and we read the, the, the New Testament scriptures, uh, the New Testament Gospels, we read them, we tend to read them like a novel, and we say, oh yeah, well, there's God and the disciples, and we're on those guys' side, and then there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and those are the bad guys, and you know, those are, those are them, and, and we're on this side, I'm with Jesus and the disciples. Well, honestly, whenever you read this, the scriptures and you see God there and sinners there, who should you relate to? 
the sinners, right? That, that's what we are. We, we're the sinners. We're just, in some ways, we're just like the Pharisees. And, and it's in places that we really don't like to talk about. It's in some ways that we look down on other people just like they look down on people. But in many ways, we're just like the Pharisees. But let me, let me, let me scrap all that by saying this. But God loved you and accepted you even in the midst of the places where you and your heart were just like them. He loved you there. Okay, so because of Christ's love, because of Christ's acceptance, how should I look at other people? How should I look at other believers? I should accept them just like God accepted me. True? Now let me say just really quickly before we go on, because it raises some red flags for some of you I know. Acceptance is not the same as accepting people the way they are and, and not wanting them to change. God didn't accept us that way, did he? He accepted us with a plan and a calling and a desire to change us and a desire for us to grow. But he accepted us knowing where we were. And it was a come-as-you-are kind of a deal. We came to the cross before we had to clean up at all. Now listen to me. It's important for us, and especially for people outside the church, for us to, be, to, to acknowledge that people who are outside of the faith are going to come to God filthy, right? But you can't judge them for that. They're sinners, just like you and I were. There's got to be a process where we have to be willing to accept people as they are with full knowledge that when they come into relationship with Jesus Christ, that things will begin to change for them. But, in, but in, inevitably, what we do as believers sometimes is because we've grown in some righteousness, we've grown in some holiness, we tend to look at people who are sinners and we begin to, get, begin to think of them as, being, as excluding them. But you remember who Jesus hung out with, right? Prostitutes, sinners, tax collectors. No wonder the Pharisees were appalled. Are you appalled? Are you appalled by those folks? Are you appalled? Would you be appalled by the lifestyle of a prostitute? In some way, we should be. But in another way, we ought to be accepting of those people because we were, they were no worse off than we are. Amen? When we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were just as guilty as the very worst. You remember Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. This is so important. Uh, the love of Christ changes your view of people. And when you and I remember that God accepted me as I was before I, before I lifted a finger to change my life, he loved me as I was and, and he sent Jesus Christ to die for me as I was. And it was only after the relationship that there began to be any change. But the relationship all started with his grace and mercy and acceptance of me, right? Otherwise, none of us would be here. If, if my relationship with God had not started by God offering his grace, if I had to do something to get here, I wouldn't be here today, and neither would you. Neither would someone else who struggles in sin. Amen? Okay. All right. Let's move on. All right. Christ's love, it changes you. Christ's love, it changes your view of people. And let's drill down. So um, uh, in verse 16, so he says, So now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is a struggle for us, folks. It just is. It is always a struggle to be looking at other people and saying, wow, you're guilty of sin and, and, and I'm not. But, but listen, that is the deceitfulness of sin in your own heart and in mine. This is something that we need God to fix in us over the period of our lives. Amen? All right. All right. Recognize it. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, um, don't be afraid of it. It's, it's true of all of us. Um, and we need God's help here. All right. Therefore, in, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Verse 17. The old has gone. The new has come. Verse 18. 
All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, I want to use a little different terminology with you here than I have before. Jesus came incarnate so that he might save. He came in the, in the, in the, in the, the flesh of mankind so that he might save mankind, right? True. He came to us like us so that he might save us. All right. And in verse 18, it says that Christ himself, uh, God reconciled us through Christ. And, and then what did he do? Then he turned over this ministry of reconciliation to us who are believers. He, he turned it over. The fact that God, that God can bring man and God together is, is a ministry of reconciliation, and it's what God has brought together. Well, can I suggest to you what this is, is that this, um, this um, Christ's love changes your role in relationships. And let me define that just a little bit for you. Um, he changes our role in relationships. In verse 20... I'm sorry, let's read 19 to 20. That God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. All right, your role in relationships. All right, he's changed it. Um, What is your calling in marriage? What's your calling in, in friendships? What's your calling with your with your coworker? What is God's calling on your life in those can I suggest from what this says is that you are to be God's ambassador there. Just as Jesus Christ came as God's ambassador and he came incarnate, I'm gonna, here's the terminology, God wants to incarnate Christ in you to the people around you. He wants to incarnate. He wants you to represent him as an ambassador. But the, this idea, and, and you know, we can all look at the incarnation of Jesus Christ and we should marvel at it. It's an incredible thing that, that, the, that all of the um, uh, omnis of God are somehow uh, captured and maybe not completely fully understood in Jesus Christ, but they're all there in Jesus Christ. But in that same way, that is also not something that we should just marvel at, but it's something that's to be our example. Just as Christ came to be an ambassador and to come to you and I, now you and I are to go and be God's ambassador or the incarnate Jesus Christ to the people around us. So your calling in your marriage is to be an ambassador of God. Your calling to your friends is to be an ambassador of God, is to incarnate Jesus Christ to them, is to represent God to them. Your, your calling for your coworkers is to be an ambassador. Your calling for your children is to be an ambassador, to represent God to them, right? Now, wow, it, uh, you know, I preach these things, and then I hear it coming out of my mouth. It's like, wow, I, I'm not ready for that, right? Anybody? I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. I, I'm not ready for that place where I, can, where I can do that. But here's the great thing, and let me tell you just a quick story. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you guys uh, threw a great party for Brendan and I in, in our 10 years here at Calvary. And you guys were so gracious to us about um, sharing about the times that the Lord had used us in your lives. And, and honestly, Brent and I were blown away. Some of the things that you guys shared about the Lord really using in your life, Brent and I honestly had talked about some of those times beforehand. You know what I'm saying? We had talked about some of those times beforehand, and we had talked about how we just had blown it. You know what I mean? We, we talked about, wow, we had this conversation with someone, and we walked away just feeling like, wow, I've, I've just, you know, we had this opportunity, something came up, and we just completely blew it. But then you came back to tell us that, wow, Lord just really used you in, at, at that time. It, it's like what Jamie was saying there about the elders who were casting down their crowns. Um, 
Um, when we see the Lord do those kinds of things through us, oh, what can we say but take our crowns that he's given us and cast them down and say, no, it was, it was all you, Lord. It was all you. Um, it was not us. It, it, was, it was all you. Uh, but the, the point I want to get to, though, here is this this morning, is that I know for everything that you can tell us that we've done for you in, in that the, the Lord is, has used us as a vessel for you, you could have also very easily stood up and say, but there were, for that one time, there were nine times that I wish David had been there for me. I, I know. I, I know this is true. I know because I want to be there for you more than I am. And because of, of time schedules and because uh, in my sinful heart, I've got messed up priorities. And you do too, by the way. Um, and, and those things, um, because of those, I know I, we're not doing all that we could. But listen, here's the great thing about the Lord. Here's the great thing about his working out his reconciliation in us. Even in our imperfection, he works just miracles. Amen. Even in even in our even in our obedience that's never perfect, even in our following of the Lord that's never perfect, there's still incredible movement of God and His Holy Spirit in us. Amen. It's just a beautiful and an amazing thing. It's it's like it was never dependent on us. Weird, huh? It was like it was never dependent on us, but always dependent on Him, and and it is. And and He's given us that ministry of reconciliation. Uh, that we have. And what I want to do, I, I know you've read this, these verses and, and, and thought about this in terms of us receiving the ministry of reconciliation and that we are supposed to be reaching out to unbelievers and bringing them in the fold. I think that's in full view here. I think that's just fine. But the other part of it is that, is that this is part of the work of the church within church people. Are you with me? We are supposed to be continuing to reconcile are each other into the kingdom of God, deeper into the kingdom, continuing to be, bring about greater reconciliation between us and God. This is not just some impact about, okay, you go reconcile, oh, they're saved, okay, walk away. That's not what, what's in, in view here. What he's talking about is that we've received the ministry of reconciliation, and now he tells people in the church, you have the ministry of reconciliation to bring people deeper into the fold of God, closer into relationship with God, and, and to continue to, to help them work out that which separates them from God in that all of us have continue to have indwelling sin. We continue to have remaining sin, some, some of the ways that some of the church fathers have referred to it. We continue to have that and, and to continue to be able to mine that out, the Lord, through relationships in context of the scriptures and, and under the power of the Holy Spirit continues to, to remove and mine some of those, the, the darkness of our hearts out as, as we just live in relationship with each other. And I know I'm at a 10,000 foot level, but I promise I'll get to something very practical here very shortly. But anyway, so Christ's love changes you. Christ's love changes your view of people. Christ's love changes your role in a relationship. You are not what you thought you were. You thought you were in a relationship with people because you enjoyed it. You're in relationship with people because it is for God's glory. You're in relationship with people because you are a minister of reconciliation. Um, and let me just real quickly, let me warn you about something. When we forget about our calling to be ministers of reconciliation, we, when we forget that that is part of our role as believers, when we forget what this says in, in verse uh, 15, uh, the end of verse 14, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced one died for all and therefore all, all died. Sorry, verse 15. He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. All right. Here's, here's 
part of the problem is that we forget and we don't like to be ambassadors. We just want to be in relationships because we enjoy the relationships. But I'm telling you, God has redeemed, God wants to redeem that relationship and make it for his glory. And so part of the problem is one of the things that Dr. Paul Tripp writes in his book is that we're relationship thieves. We take what belonged to God all along and we want to make it about ourselves. Even in our relationships, they should belong to God. Even, even, and we should not rob him of, of, of what benefit we can have in relationships with other believers. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but we can tend to be relationship thieves when we, when we just want our relationships to be about us and our enjoyment of them. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not the sole purpose. The last thing I want to talk about is that, uh, how Christ's love changes the content of your conversation. Listen to what he, how he talks about this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And listen to the content, listen to the message. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And listen to what he says in beginning of verse six of chapter six. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, "In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you." And Paul says this: "I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation." You look at the content of what he's talking about here, and this is what's supposed to be true in our relationships. Okay, really, here's the practical side. You ready? One of, the, one of the other books I read talks about something, a really beautiful concept called running buddies. And basically what it is is, is that it's this, this idea that we should all be getting together with one or two other people for the sole purpose of talking about what the Lord's been showing us in his scriptures, about what the Lord's, you know, what you've been marveling about in the Lord lately, what, what he's been showing you as you read through the word every day in your quiet time, uh, to be sitting and talking about um, how you've learned to apply the scriptures better to your life, to be sitting and talking about the struggles that you're having in your life and what the Lord's doing about them. But, 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 but the message or the content of the conversation so focused on God, so focused on what he's doing, so focused on, on trying to follow him better, on trying to, to, to work to better as you, as you journey uh, along with, with your brother or your sister, to journey along with him, to try to, to want to uh, follow Christ better. And I want to encourage you, you know, we're um, I was just having a conversation with somebody else this week. Calvary's not a large church, obviously, right? Matter of fact, about half of us gone today. But Calvary's not a large church, and we're not going to be able to offer everything to everyone. True? Now we do try to offer things. As a matter of fact, Brian and I are starting up next week a, a deal for, uh, for some young, uh, young married folks uh, that we're going to be doing a small group thing kind of uh, once a month together. But um, we do want to offer those kinds of things, but we can't offer everything to everyone, all right? But here's the deal. What I want for you, though, is that in your relationship to find someone, not in your family, someone outside your family, someone who has a little different perspective than you, has a different view of your life, to be in a relationship together with one or two or three other believers where you can sit and talk in the mornings or late evenings or, or some Saturday afternoons or whatever where you can have a real serious conversation about what the Lord's showing you. And just to have that, that, um, 
that conversation in that environment where the context and the content is all about the Lord Jesus Christ, all about you're trying to follow him. I just would encourage you to find a running buddy or two or three so that you can have those conversations together. I tell you, in my life, I have found nothing more um, helpful in change and in growth than those kinds of relationships where we, where we sit and we talk about the scriptures together. We sit and we marvel about God and, and the majesty of what he's put together in the scriptures. And we sit and we talk about our struggles just really as honestly as we can get with each other. Um, I have had no better success in, in, in conquering sin in my life than in those relationships. I've had no greater success in understanding the scriptures better than being able to bounce it off someone else about what the Lord's showing me. And I think you'll find the same thing. I want to encourage you for that. I want to encourage you to do that. Find a running buddy or two or three. Have coffee. Talk about what's going on in your lives and what the Lord's doing. I've kept you too long, and it's Mother's Day. I've got to let you go. I really apologize. Let's pray together, and we'll go. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you've come into our lives, and you've made such incredible changes. Lord, you've come in, and you've changed us. You've made us all new creations, but it's not just that. You've changed the, the way that we view people. We don't view them like we used to. We view them as, as they're, they're just a fellow sinner, just like us, looking for grace, just like we are. Um, you've changed the. You've changed our relationships. We're no longer just just a, a husband or a father or a mother. We're also ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors of you, and and you've changed the content of our conversations to be more than just about uh, the weather and the cowboys and the rangers. You've changed uh, the content of our conversation to be about you and what you're doing to sh- in this time of your favor in this day of your salvation. Father, we're just so grateful. Father, we're so grateful for the moms who are represented here today. Lord, we just pray your blessings on them. Pray, pray that they would be um, aptly uh, re- uh, honored to this day, Lord God. And uh, we, Lord, we just thank you for your great grace for us. Thank you, Lord God, that you're, you're, you're here working together, working out your glory in our relationships. And I pray, Lord God, for even more of that, Lord God, as we, as we learn to follow you better and as we desire to love each other even more. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you, guys. Love you. Appreciate you being here this week. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My 